You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Well, that's how he was. He just, he was a remarkable man who loved life, loved family. We'd be a way better world if there were so many more people like my dad. Very special. We're all hurting. This is a tough time. I'm so proud of the fact that so many people have reached out and given him such great tributes because he deserves it. He has a heart of gold and just wonderful. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great One episode, episode 99, a 2, 5, and 10. Granted, we're talking about something that the Great One wouldn't do this week with the uh, Tom Wilson fiasco in Boston. Benny, what up? Yeah, he would never have to worry about that with Marty McSorley flying shotgun. Um, but yeah, episode 99 next week, big one for us. I mean, maybe we'll have a few few phoners, a few special guests. But of course, we couldn't go a whole month. It's like, that. you know, the workplace injury thing, the, the days since the last <laughs> injury. It's the days since the last Tom Wilson dirty fucking play. And I know he hasn't been suspended for a while, but the last dirty play, like I went back and looked through like, hockey discussion was literally 27 days ago so we didn't even make it a full month before wilson was like oh what did he do now um but of course had to be against the bruins and there's still some debate on if it was actually a dirty play or not mostly from the capital side of things but your boy carlo out indefinitely out look he's probably gonna be out a long time from what i'm reading but your thoughts on the hit and tom wilson and the fact that it was tom wilson again yeah, what are the odds that it's Tom Wilson again, right? Um, yeah, it's not Lars Eller doing it. <laughs> so my whole thing with the Tom Wilson part of it is this. On that play, this shift completely, he comes out, uh, he finally has a shift with Trent Frederick, and he absolutely bodies Frederick twice in that shift. Clean, hard hits, but, but clean. And then the Carlo part of it where that puck goes into the corner and... Wilson sees exactly where he is and Brandon Carlo does put himself in a vulnerable position where he's a very tall defenseman with the puck in his feet. So now he has to be hunched over and playing the puck. But at the same time, it's not like his movement has changed when all this has happened. He's already in this position. Tom Wilson comes from about the circle right at the dot there. And he comes straight in and if he does this legally, he could put Brandon Carlo into the fifth row of the garden and you won't hear shit from me because that is a hard-nosed hockey play. Instead, he comes straight down and hits Brandon Carlo right in the head. Yeah. A, a typical Tom Wilson play and a Tom Wilson move. And the referees in this have a huge part of it because I'm, I'm going to reference back to this happened Friday night on Wednesday night. The Bruins and Capitals played with these same referees. Trent Frederick w was cross-checking Alexander Ovechkin, and Ovi gives him one right in the twig and berries. And all he gets is a max fine by the league. And on the play, they called Frederick for cross-checking and Ovechkin for roughing. They called Ovechkin for roughing. And these are the same referees that ref this game on Friday night. And they don't call anything on this play. Now... To go even further, it's towards the end of the period. We go into the room. 
we come out and now Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand are now giving it to Tom Wilson. Yeah, Bergeron was, he was fired up. Bergie's not happy, and I don't blame him. So they end up fighting. Uh, Jared Tenorti comes out and fights Willie. Does his job. Does his job, does it accordingly. But these referees, allegedly, now, now we'll get into the Alexander Ovechkin quote part of this. Ovi said they talked to the referees at the start of the second, and the referees told him that's not even a two-minute penalty. I don't think it was even two minutes. It was, uh, yeah, that's what he said the ref told him. I don't even think it was two minutes. So if a referee in the National Hockey League, and, I mean, this could just be hearsay, this could just be Ovechkin kind of playing devil's advocate to kind of keep people on Tom Wilson's side here, but if this is the legitimate case, these referees should never ref in the NHL again. Oh, I doubt Ovechkin's just making that up because the referees would just come out and deny that, and they would make Ovi look bad. Yeah, but how often are the refs in the media for something like that for a defense mechanism? Not very often. Mm. But yeah. Andy Brickley, for those who don't know, he's the Nesson play-by-play guy. Well, the color guy, not the play-by-play guy. And... Andy Brickley brought up a great point on this. He goes, why is it not just called a two-minute minor? Just you, you call a penalty. And then you look at it because then you have the chance for video review for a five. Why is that not done here? He's like, obviously, there's a guy who is completely legless out on the ice. Brandon Carlo was completely flat and didn't know what fucking day of the week it was. He was uh, back in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, he, he was in the Rocky Mountains. But it's like... <laughs> Not done. And then Brick brought up another great point as to the refereeing this year has been terrible. And he referenced that game in Columbus where Carolina scored. Oh, yeah. John Tortorella uh, challenged it. They went on the speaker. They said that the goal stood. And now Columbus is now serving a two-minute minor. They noticed at in between the second and third period they were completely wrong, and then at the start of the third period, that penalty is now negated, and they're playing five on five. So Brick says, if they can make those rules up as they go along, which they did in that case, because that has never been done before, why can't they come out at the start of the second period and say, we really fucking blew that one. Uh, it's a five-minute major for Boston. Willie's gone. I, th- I mean, I think that was a once in a league history type of deal where they went back and reviewed, like when we talked about it, Colin Campbell even said their decision was, do we take off a goal after a period has ended for the first time in league history based on a review that was called incorrectly? Or do we take away a power play for the first time in league history? And they decided to take the power play. I don't think they did that to set a precedent where whenever there's a borderline call, that, okay, intermission, let's go back and review and change the whole thing and start the period over again. So I, I unless it's a, a Stanley Cup, even then, like it's never happened in a Stanley Cup final game before, <clears throat> 2014 goalie interference. Um, I don't think that's something that we should look back on and say, hey, they did that for here, why not here? I think that's never going to happen again. Um, in terms of the other thing Berkeley said, yeah, this is the league that claims to be saying they're trying to get headshots out of the game. That now, if fighting is involved, you can't take your helmet off. 
but a guy who has his head down, pucking his feet, and a third guy in, essentially, just doesn't even try to play the puck. Doesn't try and take the the body to get him off the puck. Just goes in like a fucking missile to take this dude's head off. And both referees looking at this play and they go, yeah, I mean, that looks good to me. And like you said, if that's their point of view on things for the league who, to be honest, is doing much better than the NFL did a few years ago in terms of legislating headshots out and you know standing behind their their rules on it, what are they doing? So, again, and this is Tom Wilson. He has a history, history on it. He gets a seven-game suspension. I th- first of all, you were talking about the Frederick thing. Wilson went out there like a madman. Like, he went out there, he challenged Frederick to a fight, and when Frederick didn't go with him, which is fine, he lays out Frederick, and then he goes and does this to Carlo. It's one of those things where it's almost like, the, like we said, the Rafi Torres thing. It's like he just blacks out. Oh, yeah, the, there's just, intent there. There's, there's like, intent, the biggest thing for like, me is his he, choice. It's like a dog smelling meat. meat. He's just like, oh, that's all I care about. It's like hurting this guy. Meanwhile, all, like, conscious thought and, like, uh, consequence thought goes out the window because he's just, like, focused on that. And it's, it's so weird to me how Torres, Matt Cook, Tom Wilson, uh, Steve Downey, all guys just act like this, and no matter how many times they get this, I mean, I can see why, because seven, the fact that he only got a seven-game suspension and it's going to get knocked down on appeal, most likely, there's no deterrent for it. And unless the team does something, like the Penguins eventually did with Cook. I mean, did you notice this, though, too? I thought this was very interesting, that the NHL, when they released their press release for it, that he was going to have a hearing, not an in-person due to COVID, but a, a Zoom hearing, that now it's usually anytime there's that five games is basically already on the table. But the thing I found most interesting was the league did not classify this as a headshot. They labeled oh, this as a boarding. Yeah. That's not a fucking board. He didn't go violently into the boards. Wilson went violently into his fucking head. Yeah, it was so, a headshot. It's a headshot. So now it's like, are they trying to justify him being a repeat offender because now it's a boarding, not a headshot? I, if anything, if you're not going to call it a headshot, it's a charge. I just, I, I don't know like, why they can allow this guy to do this notoriously now. Like now he's Zach yeah. Ashton Reese, Sunquist, and now him. These are all headshots. They're they're not fucking boardings to make it sound better or, you know, you feel better or you want to back your refs because they didn't call anything on the play. There is even without suspensions, Tom Wilson against the Rangers twice in the last two years, not not this year, um, didn't get called a penalty, wasn't suspended, but elbowed a guy in the head on the Rangers, went up high a second time. So it's not it's, it's not even plays where he gets suspended or it makes like the news roundup. There are plays almost every game where he's doing something that's borderline or like not even a hockey play. That's the thing. Like we were talking before the, we started recording. If he went in and went shoulder to shoulder, I mean, I still think that's a charge. Like he wasn't he just made a beeline for it, wasn't playing the puck. I still think it's a penalty. But if he went in and did shoulder to shoulder, and Carlo ended up uh, getting hurt. 
that's a lot different of a situation you going in there and trying to target the head. Um, so the other point I wanted to make with this is going back to when Marchand was early on in the league and he, he was doing a lot of dirty shit, mostly like undercutting guys on hits. Lane Vigneault, when he was the coach of Vancouver, said he's hurting a lot of guys out there and one of these days someone's going to take it into their own hands and he's going to get hurt. Marchand, he still toes the line here and there, but he learned. Wilson's not going to learn. This is who he is. And the fact that the referees aren't protecting the guys, the league's not protecting the, guy, protecting the guys with only seven-game suspension, I thought he would get at least a 15-gamer because he got 14 uh, for Sunquist. Yeah, and that was that first 20 that got reduced. Yeah. So the fact that there's like almost no – and the, the capital – organization is still shielding him they did it last year they did it the year before that they always defend him no matter what happens they go oh well uh i mean remember the elbow on i forget who it was was it Christopher brat on uh the devils a couple years back where he just flew by him and threw the elbow like the max domi and scott ninamari thing i uh, the tie domi not max domi uh, and they always defend him so he's emboldened by this he's like ah oh, yes the suspension hurts it hurts the team but if the team defends him, he's not going to be held to a, a higher standard. And he's going to do something, and someone's going to get really, really fucking hurt. Or someone's going to really hurt him. And then when that finally happens, the league's going to go, well, okay, that guy really hurt Tom Wilson. He's going to get a suspended for a season. But you know what it's going to be, though? It's like uh, Willie is such a big guy that people aren't going to hurt him a normal way. They're going to run him from behind. They are going to target his head. They're going to take his fucking knee out. And then it's going to be this array of, I can't believe someone finally did it. What's well, so hard to believe he's about He's not going to be clean anymore. No, like that's what said, I'm saying. Tenorti fought him. He squared up. He challenged him, squared up with him, fought him, went to the box. That's not going to be good enough if this continues to happen. Like, why should he get the respect of the code and being challenged and squared up face-to-face when he's not given that respect around the league. Like, it's, I guarantee you, Wilson's going to do something like this either this season or next. And the next time he gets the judge, jury, and executioner comes for him, it's not going to be, hey, do you want to go off this draw? And then the league has nobody to blame with the, but themselves, and it's going to make the league look bad. Just like when Chris Simon, remember back in the day, he just slashed the whole way oh, yeah. right in the <laughs> face. So that put the, that made the league look real good to the couch, to the media because the U.S. audience only cares about hockey when something crazy happens. The Todd Bertuzzi thing, the McSorley thing, the Chris Simon thing. So something's going to go crazy here, whether Wilson does it again or he does it again, and then the retribution – and then that's going to make a league like, oh, after all these years, hockey is still just about this bullshit. Well, I know the next time that the Bruins and Capitals play, I take a different standpoint. Wilson will already be off a of suspension. But you know what? At some point, it has to be an eye for an eye. So how about you dump a mm-hmm. puck in and you go and you completely run Johnny Carlson from behind. But you make sure that it's someone like Chris Wagner or... Frederick, just because you know what, then they don't have, they're not a repeat offender. They, they don't have a background in this. Oh, they're just a hard player. When, oh, fuck. Johnny Carlson's out for a month. He separated shoulder. 
Oh, wow. Oh, someone else should be out for a month. No, 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 no. This is the way it works. You suspend the action, not the injury. So the injury is fucking irrelevant. It is the distinct part of what you want to do. Throw the puck in there and smoke Dmitry Orlov. Put him fucking five rows up in the Capital One Center. Don't care. But you know when you do it, you make sure you do it when they have no one out there to protect them. And you have a fucking line brawl and you light them up. And all their fucking little guys that want to go, Lars Eller, all these guys, absolutely torch these guys. Eller, Verana, Hagland, Panic. Go after their guys that aren't going to do a thing. And then when you turn, when you go by the bench and everyone's going fucking crazy, you point at them and you tell them, that's what you get for defending Willie. Well, so the two things about that is, one, if that happens, let's say somebody goes after Carlson or OV or Backstrom. The shitty part about all this is the league will come down so hard on a Bruin who does that. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's going to be insane the suspension he would get but two what you're explaining is baseball basically like if you throw on purpose at like cc sabathia when he's pitching for the yankees if you hit our catcher he's throwing at your catcher and what you're saying like pointing at the bench going this is what you get for defending him uh, sabathia one of his last uh starts of the year or the last start of the year a couple years back for the yankees against tampa if he throws at a guy Knows he's getting ejected, walks off the field, and as he's walking off the field, just points at Tampa's dugout and goes, that's for you, bitch, to the other pitcher for throwing out one of the Yankees. So what you're describing is essentially baseball, but with actual fighting because baseball players don't know how to fight. Yeah, I was going to say, well, it would take a while should... for the pilot to get separated before they threw people out, but yes. <laughs> so it's just, the thing is, you know, maybe you can get Shawnee out of retirement for you guys. You only need one shift, kid. <laughs> give me give me one 30 second shift and i'll give you a 45 penalty minutes <laughs> yeah exactly most penalty minutes in the game i actually try to take my skate off and stab somebody with it <laughs> but yeah that's the thing it's either someone's going to really go after wilson and hurt him or someone's going to get after one of the capital stars and either way the league has no one to blame but themselves for the referees protecting them the organization protecting them and then the suspension not really doing much of anything if they came out and they suspended him for 40 games, yeah, the Bruins is going to be pissed about Carlo, especially with his uh, injury history. And that's not going to take that injury away from him. But at least you go, all right, they, we drew some blood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the league's putting themselves into a corner here. That I agree with. They're going to have to keep defending this fucking guy now, and now it's their own fault. But regardless of that, getting away from that, some uh, very interesting news this week out of Buffalo and uh, GM Kevin Adams. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about the Sabres and mostly about the players, Skinner and uh, the struggles of Skinner, Taylor Hall, what's going to happen with Eichel, and we even said, like, I felt bad for Kruger because he's a good coach and he's just getting jacked by the uh, situation of Buffalo. It doesn't matter who the GM is, who the coach is, who the players are, it's the same story almost year in a year out for like a decade now but uh kevin adams came out uh this late last week and called out the sabers competitiveness and said everything is being evaluated including coach ralph kruger uh here's the exact quote i speak from the heart here not happy unacceptable where we're at right now part of my job is to raise the standard the expectations and accountability in this organization 
and we're not where we need to be. I can hear excuses. I'm just going to be honest with you, but it's just unacceptable. Uh, Jack's, Jack is one of the best players in the world. Are people going to make a phone call and ask? Of course, right? And that's the extent of it. For me, Jack is someone that is just, when you see him going and you see the dynamic difference maker he can be, there's not many in the league like him. Uh, I mean, everything's being evaluated. Ralph and I talk every day. We're very honest with each other. He understands the situation we're in. It is unacceptable, and the players do too. It's just flat out not good enough. Um, yeah, and then he talks about Taylor Hall, guys like that. Um, but yeah, pretty damning from the new GM in the Buffalo situation. And I mean, this is what everybody's been saying around the league. I'm just very surprised with Kevin Adams as to how public he was with it. Um, you haven't really heard anything from him about all these Jack rumors and, you know, the kind of the black cloud that has been this organization this whole year. And uh, maybe he's just finally hit a breaking point. I agree with you with Kruger. I think he's a great coach. You hear from a lot around the league guys that have had him as an assistant in the past, like great guy can legitimately come in and change a culture. And it's unfortunate for him because now is he going to be tainted in the sense of if he gets gassed from here and tries to go somewhere else, is he going to be able to get another head coaching job due to how bad this whole thing was? Um, as for the Jack Eichel experiment, the Taylor Hall experiment, it is really ugly. I did see that Kevin Adams also came out and said, uh, Sam Reinhart, if anyone has an offer for him, they can basically take him off of their hands. It's like the fucking wild, wild west out there. Like, cause at some point, you're going to ship off three quarters of this team. I, I don't see them wanting to keep certain players around. And with that, how do you look at your cornerstone pieces? Like if you're not able, or I don't want to say if you're not able to trade Jack Eichel, but if Jack doesn't get traded, how do you sit down with Jack and Rasmus Dalim and tell them we're really trying to change the culture here? Like, I, I, I don't know what the fuck you tell these guys. I mean, he brought in Kruger to change the culture, like, and players love him. I think he may not get a head coaching job right away after leaving Buffalo, but I think everybody can see that. I mean, part of the blame is on him. He's the head coach, but it's also like the dysfunction of the organization. And I know Adams inherited him. Uh, he didn't hire Kruger, and Adams has just been in the organization as GM for not too long, so... His mark really isn't too much on this team just yet in terms of roster building. But you got to – that Skinner contract. Woof. Woof. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe that – I saw something the other day where it's like this dude dropped 40 goals and then disappeared like after he got that eight-year contract. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't know. You can tell Eichel's been frustrated for a couple years now. And if you go to him and you say, okay – we're going to start over again. Taylor Hall is gone. Eric Stahl is going to be gone. Like he's older. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're stuck with Skinner. Our uh, Brandon Amator is going to be gone. A couple other guys in the back end are going to be gone. We still don't have really a goaltending solve, but, and we're going to bring in another head coach for you, but don't worry. We know what we're doing this time. I just like, you feel so bad for the people of Buffalo. Like this has just been an ongoing saga now for, years and it's like anytime there seems to be a a glimmer of hope it is just completely taken away 
And yeah, <laughs> what, what was it? Two years ago, where they came out like they came. Yeah, it was two years ago because last year was the COVID year, so it was the year before. They came out hot. They came out hot. They were back to back years. When yeah, it started out really well, and then it just fell off in December, <laughs> and then just fizzled out. And it's like, where, how? Like I, I don't even know what to say. And like I honestly, I feel so bad for those people. Like I, I will throw out this stat: goals this season, Jimmy VC five. Jack Eichel and Taylor Hall combined, four. <laughs> I like I said, uh, mocking the uh, uh, the famous tweet with the Hall for uh, Larson trade. VC for Eichel, one for one. <laughs> one for one, yeah. Like, oh my God, I just, I don't know, man. I think that is just one of the the hardest things, and I, I don't know how they get out of it. I I don't like because even if they trade Jack away and they get you know, maybe two roster players and some future picks, you're still now rebuilding. Even with Jack there now, you're still rebuilding. So I I just don't see at what point this gets better. And for Kevin Adams, it doesn't look good. For Kruger, it doesn't look good. For Jack, it doesn't look good. He's supposed to be a leader on this team. And I I think that might be tarnishing his trade value as well, just him. Yeah, and also the thing of this goes back a little bit of time, but you and I, when they traded Ryan O'Reilly, yeah, I mean, I know he was frustrated and whatever, but it's just like they didn't have nice, thing, really nice things to say about him as he was going out the door, and it's just like if if a guy like him gets run out of town in Buffalo, and then this is the the, in the years past after that trade, this is how your organization is still operating and stacking up, and he goes on to win a cup and he's a captain, like that's. That right there was the black mark that kind of started this whole what's going on in Buffalo thing for me. Well, it's not only what's going on, it is what is continuing. Yeah. <laughs> um, speak, so Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk, talk about something that directly impacts them probably for like the next five years. Uh, and that's Danny Chills talking about changing the draft lottery. A uh, couple of the highlights is Teams are limited to no more than two lottery wins in a five-year period. Teams are only allowed to jump 10 spots with a lottery win and a reduction in the number of picks decided by lottery from three to two. That first one goes back to the Oilers. Like, everybody's in clamoring for that when the Oilers won, like, three number one picks in four or five years or something like that. And and even then, though, that still didn't even transform them. It, It gave them talent, but they still sucked. Nugent Hopkins, for them, coming out sucked. Yakupov didn't even fucking play like they were awful they finally needed to get Mick David arguably the best player coming out of the draft since Crosby to be of substance and even then there's still question if they're even going to make the playoffs playoffs yeah <laughs> so I mean I don't mind any of these proposed changes especially like, you're trying to change the tanking situation, even though the league wants parity. Everybody's always like hockey, says hockey 500. They're at hockey 500 or NHL 500. I hate that shit. They're not at NHL, they're not at 500. They're below 500 because of the stupid uh, OT points and shit out, like all that garbage. So, this is all well and good, but I think you have to fix the point system first to really start making an impact in terms of. Draft lotteries, tanking, teams not trying to win a lottery three straight years and pull off like a Blackhawks turnaround or something like that. I mean, the other part of it too is it doesn't completely fix a lottery system just because 
you might not be able to win the lottery, but if you finish two or three, you're not getting a bad player. So, so you could still draft a fi- effectively. If the first year you win the lottery, you get a number one center that that kid's going to go places. All right. The next year you don't win and get number one, but you end up being at number three. Okay. Now you just drafted the cornerstone defenseman. Like you can still draft accordingly. And I felt like that was one of the Oilers biggest downfalls was that they always went for the best possible forward and they never thought about their back end at all. And I mean, that still shows. So, I mean, you can also end up like the Rangers where they get second, they move up to get second overall and end up with a guy who's supposed to be the most NHL ready uh, forward in a draft who the Rangers are now trying to turn into a third line two way ringer. Um, but Lafreniere is really starting to pick it up lately. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think these changes will take effect for this draft, obviously, or even. The next uh, next year's draft, so little little, little bit of a ways to go. <laughs> no, I think it's us to get voted in and everything, but I do think that they do need to tweak it absolutely. So I know we talked about the Wilson and the uh, basically both cap schemes for the Bruins, but uh, where is Carlo's uh, latest update and kind of how you're going to fill his shoes on the top pair, not a top pair, but like. I love how they kind of list him as week to week when they don't even know as to what extent concussion he has. He he went right to the hospital, right from the rink. Um, He's been released, which is good. But as for recovery time on one of these things, and I mean, now Carlo has had multiple concussions. I think this might be his third one. So that alone is not a good thing. Um, Jared Tenorti has stepped in. I think he's done a good job for us. Uh, two games played, big fellow. Well, actually, three games now, but he, he's a big boy. I like seeing him there. Uh, Jakob Zaboral's been playing okay. I think he needs to be a little bit more defensively aware, but it, his offense is, is getting a little bit better in the transition game, which is good. Uh, Grizzlick is back, which has been huge for us. Matty was great the other night with the puck, just... For a guy, I don't want to say who's so small, but um, he's just so elusive with his skating. Like, especially in the neutral zone, he can kind of one-two jump a puck and then whoever's looping up forward back the other way is getting a pass. Like, he just has great vision. Uh, still out on the back end with Kevin Miller and Jeremy Lozon for a little while. Um, c- kind of just taking it day by day. I mean, Charlie's been playing great. Grizz is back. John Moore was good for a couple of games. He's back now up in the sky watching. Uh, Cliffy's been good. Yarrow's been okay. I think he's another guy that needs to be in there consistently. He's kind of been in and out. And then um, Tenorti and Zaboral. So I think we're okay. Carlo is a huge hole for us, though. Like Brandon's probably, when you look at shutdown guys in the league, I think he's one of the top pair guys now. I don't think that's an argument like that's what he's there for it's not for the offensive prowess it is to just being there to shut it down so huge hole for us I think the guys will be okay not fantastic just okay and um we will go from there as for a weekend review we had the two Washington games which were uh the first one a little hairy I mean as we could say as Frederick took it right in the peen um, we ended up coming back after the Wilson thing and 
we played great hockey. We legitimately came, um, excuse me, like we came up, we had a, once as that fight happened with Norty, we scored four goals, just kind of shoved it right up Washington's ass, kind of kicked them in the dust a little bit. Then we had the Devils yesterday on Sunday, and to be honest, just a really boring hockey game both ways. Uh, when these two teams get together, bet the under because it seems like they're always either going to overtime a shootout or just a one-goal game, which Jersey scored with about under five minutes left yesterday. So a little bit of a tough game to watch coming up for us. We have the Islanders tomorrow on Tuesday, and then we have the Rangers Thursday and Saturday. Um, I don't know what team's going to show up for you guys. I, I think the team that's going to show up tomorrow is a team that <laughs> legitimately needs to beat the Islanders. Like we need to get one past Barry Trotz in his system just for a confidence boost. As for you guys, we have both of those at home, which is different, not playing at MSG. We'll see if there's any carryover with Frederick, Frederick, Jesus, Frederick Lemieux, uh, all the big boys, maybe something with Richie after he fell on Georgie's head. So we will see where this week takes us. Yeah, and for the Rangers, like you said, who's going to show up, right? Um, last week, we beat the teams that we should have beaten. Uh, we beat Buffalo. Uh, we pounded the Devils in New Jersey. 12-4 uh, 12 was a goal differential in those two games. Wasn't necessarily close. The thing, And then we just did not play well against Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh, good team. So it's kind of like, are we inconsistent, or are we just a team that is middle of the pack that can beat the bad teams and is going to get chewed out uh, uh, by the high power teams like you guys, Pittsburgh, uh, Washington. Uh, the main storyline from this past week besides playing on the ice was uh, near major injuries. The first one was to Mika Zibanejad, who has been having a really rough go of it this year, as we talked about. Uh, towards the end of the game, in uh, I think it was in Buffalo, he caught an edge and went into the boards hard, and it looked like he really jacked up his one of his lower body and was going to miss a lot of time. Missed nothing, came back. He scored a goal uh, to open up the game on Sunday yesterday against the Penguins. So he seems to be turning a corner a little bit in terms of play. Chris Kreider has been carrying this team offensively, along with Buchnevich, uh, with Panarin out and Sabanajad, basically MIA. Uh, so without those two guys, we'd be up Shits Creek. Um, and the other major injury that missed was Igor Shosturkin. I sent you the link uh, to the play. It really looked like he jacked up his groin or lower back really bad. He could barely stand up straight. He had to get basically dragged off the ice uh, New Jersey. Did not look good. And it came out a couple days later. Day-to-day with a mild groin injury, so we really dodged a bullet there. Um, Georgiev, who I know everybody thinks, hey, he's young, he has potential. I'm not saying he's a bad NHL goaltender, but Especially this year, he's just so like league average looking. He stops most of the pucks that he should stop. I feel like he gives up one soft goal a game when he plays, but he doesn't make that save that keeps your team in it, that steals one and keeps it off the scoreboard. And that maybe I've just been spoiled for the last 15 years with Hank doing that year in and year out, game in and game out. But Georgiev just hasn't found that gear this year, and Shesterkin has been playing well lately. So getting him back. Obviously, when he feels comfortable enough to play, will be a boost for us. Um, and then Anat Truba came back. He only missed three weeks, supposed to miss four to six from the broken thumb. He 
he's back and healthy. Kako's back off the uh, COVID list. So starting to get healthy. We'll see if we can go on a little bit of a run here, but especially this month is kind of brutal for us. Uh, we play Pittsburgh again tomorrow night on Tuesday, and then we have the back-to-back against you guys in Boston, and then a back-to-back against Philly, and then a back-to-back against Washington. So we talked about this, I think, a week or two ago, that this is going to be the gauntlet for the Rangers, where we either figure out, are we buying or selling the deadline, who's staying or who's going, kind of what's going on there. And if they had a really bad run of it, was the whispers of, was Quinn going to be able to survive it? So we're still at the early part of it. We'll see where we're going. But if we're only going to be able to beat the teams that are bad and lose to the teams that are good, the rest of March is not going to be pretty. And do you guys have an update on Panarin? What, what's up with him? It's been another week. Any any update or still quiet? <sighs> still kind of quiet. I mean, D- Quinn is asked about it pretty frequently. And he, he the way he's speaking makes it sound like it's more of a day-to-day than a week-to-week like it was in a beginning of all this but still no concrete timeline rangers are you know saying all the right things about he'll come back when he's ready and we're giving him all its time and space that he needs and we support him blah 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 um but yeah it's kind of i know i probably came off harsh last week but now it's starting to get to the point where okay it's week three now so like this is put up a shut-up time for this team in terms of making a playoffs this year, even if it's we're not going to go very far. We kind of need you, buddy. And, like, I guess a random question I have is, do we know where he is? Like, is he in New York? He's in is, Connecticut. He, okay, so he's in Connecticut. Do we as far know, as we know. <laughs> do, well, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Like, I didn't know if we knew if he was in Russia, if he's in Connecticut, like, where exactly he is and – and what everything is going on. So is that where he lives in Connecticut? So that's, he's just at the house. Yeah, he has his house. I think it's near Greenwich. If I'm not uh, mistaken, but he's been there with his wife and whatever family is also in a state. Um, kind of working through this whole situation. All right. I mean, just one of those things. You don't know if he's here or there. Just wanted to touch base. That's all. Yeah, we'll see. I also wouldn't be surprised if they wanted. I don't. He's not on a road trip, obviously, with us. But I wouldn't be surprised if when the Rangers are leaving Pittsburgh and then making their way up to Boston, that all of a sudden they announce before the game on Thursday, "Hey, Panarin made the trip up to Boston. He, he's suiting up tonight," and it catches everybody by surprise. I mean, not not a far drive from Connecticut. <laughs> Luckily, he's not coming from Canada and doesn't need to quarantine. That, well, yet again, that's one of those things. That's why you got to ask the questions, pal. <laughs> um, so who do you have for Game of the Week, Lock of the Week? All right. So for Game of the Week, I have on Friday night, I have the Vegas Golden Knights at the St. Louis Blues. I just think those are two powerhouse teams that are about to go at it. And then for Lock of the Week. You're doing it. I'm doing it. It worked last time when we played at one. Why stray away from it? I, I have the Bruins over the Rangers on Saturday. All right. Why not Thursday? <laughs> Didn't work out the first game last time. Got to play these accordingly. We make adjustments, Penny. All right. Uh, my game of the week uh, might be a little surprising. Uh, it's Wednesday, Montreal on the road against Vancouver. Just two teams that are kind of sputtering here, and it's starting to get to the point of the season where if you don't start making a go of it your season's going to unravel pretty quickly 
Um, obviously, the coaching change in Montreal recently. So I'm just going to go with that game as a game to watch for two teams that were expected to be doing a little bit, well, much more than what they're doing now, and if they can kind of get going with each other. Um, my lock of the week. You're going to enjoy this one, man. Also on Wednesday, Ottawa on the road against Edmonton. You're picking Ottawa? I'm picking the Sens. I mean, they won Sunday like I predicted, no? <laughs> so I'm going with the Sens. Not jumping on a bandwagon, at least not this season. But, you know, when you see a team that's going on a little bit of a run here and playing loose, I'm going to keep riding until, you know, it comes up black. Wow. All right. I mean... They're five and five in their last ten, so boys are starting to turn it around a little bit. Uh, who do you got for shoutouts? I'm going to shout out the Ottawa Senators, and I'm going to say that they're going to finish ahead <laughs> of the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. Ooh, man! Like, is it so? Travis? Oh, but Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter. I, I like Daryl, but. The, the Flames are about good old Daryl, good old farm boy. Yeah, they're still zero and two even with them. Yeah. Um, they <laughs> yeah, they started out up, strong, man. like they started out strong as you should after your coach gets gassed, and then they just couldn't hang on. And two games in a row, the same thing started strong, couldn't hang on. As for Daryl himself, I mean, good old Alberta boy who is now back in Alberta. Well, he was already in Alberta at the cow farm. Now he'll be. In Alberta at the rink. Um, I've always liked Daryl Sutter and the kind of his quirkiness and things like that. You talk to certain players. Hard to his coaching style. Yeah, like you, you talk to certain players. Like Luch loved him in L.A. And I wonder if when he came back, it was just kind of an excitement factor. Um, you, you can say whatever you want about Daryl Sutter too, but I mean, two cups with the Kings. An awkward. I mean, he had had the Flames perennial contender out west. Had them out there. I mean, maybe he's able to bring them back to uh, normalcy. But uh, I think that's uh, out of all the coaches that are available. Is that the one you thought that was going to get called? Because I did not. No, I thought he was done. I thought just because based on his own comments, it kind of seemed like he was okay in retirement. Did you find it weird, too, that he hasn't been behind the bench for the first two games? Uh, I thought that was strange. Um, Does that have anything to do with quarantining? Like, since he uh, hasn't been in protocol, they don't want him around the guys uh, this year? Uh, maybe, but it's like he's in Alberta. Like, I, I don't know why he would have to come in and quarantine. I mean, he lives on the fucking cow farm. Like, I mean, do, do they think the cows have COVID, too? <laughs> like, I, I don't know as to what it is or isn't. Yeah, but Daryl Sutter becomes patient zero of the next wave. Yeah. <laughs> So. Um, other than that, the reason why that if I knew we forgot about something. You and I were like, wait, something else happened. Yeah, we were texting that earlier. What did we forget? <laughs> um, the reason why I thought of that was if Vancouver, one, misses the playoffs, and two, finish behind Ottawa, Travis Green is gone. Uh, I like don't know about that. Gone. I don't know. He has one year left on his deal. Is he worth of an extension? Do you go into next year if Lane got coached? After a disappointing, I, year, you I guarantee you though, if they fire Greener, he would have a new head coaching job before the next season, guaranteed. Okay, maybe that's where uh, Babcock makes his return. 
Oh, Jesus, those poor kids in Vancouver. They'll all be called. <laughs> the GM would be, oh, my God, poor Jim Benning. His phone would not stop ringing. Like, you're going to trade them all. Uh, yeah, so that's the thing we finally forgot. Finally remembered it. Um, <laughs> but shout out. So you, had, you had the Senators. You had them finishing ahead of Calgary and Vancouver. Anybody else? Ah. Uh, no, I got nothing, man. I, I just been chilling. It's, it's been a good couple of weeks, so nothing on my end. It's it's been low key. So, what about you? Uh, I spent. I actually went out east to Long Island this past weekend. Uh, picked up Mama Dukes. Brought Kobe with me, uh, just to give Kobe, you know, some more space to run around. I can't bring her to the dog park yet because she's still so tiny. Um, that I don't want to get in trample about a big dogs and also she's still kind of skittish around dogs so I'm like alright well where can I bring her can't do there's really nowhere in the city to just let her off leash and run around and not have to worry about it not being fenced in or other dogs or people so uh, I drove out of these picked up the, uh, my mom and then went to my old high school with a huge ass field let her run around brought her to the beach for the first time went on a little bit of a hike with her uh, just to get her out and about and experiencing new things and you know always nice to see uh, the mom even though things never change with questions about you know what are am you, I doing with my life are you that. eating enough <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> I haven't heard from you in two weeks is everything okay are you sick <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah so shout out to Kobe for making that ride shout out to the mom for a uh, nice little weekend and that's about it for me oh actually I, I forgot um I got a shout out to the Strat Daddy for taking me out on Thursday night and getting me fucking banged up good. And, um, <laughs> oh my God, Thursday, work. Huh? Yeah, work sucked Friday. Sucked. Oh, but I'm a huge believer in, like, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. So I got my ass up Friday morning and went to work. And then, um, I, I know you're suffering. You're like, I knew it was going to happen, but it was worth it. Oh my God, dude. I, like, I was only drinking beer, too. Like, I don't know if this is age hitting me now or what, but. Oh, brutal. Fucking brutal. I, I age, man. Like, hangover. That's why I don't really drink much anymore. The hangovers are harder harder to get over and, and longer to get over. So for me, it's just like, well, what's the point? I'll have a drink or two, and that's about it. Oh, well, that's it. Like, usually if I'm at the house, like, and I watch the game, I might have, like, a beer or two, but at the same time, it's like fucking sleeping medicine for me. Like, I'll be out cold <laughs> on the couch. But, uh, oh. And I'll I, see the story or a text from Redder with you on a couch passed out with either one of the kids. It's or Joey on top of you. Yeah, you know, the, the heated blankets. It's one of those things. It's like automatic. And then uh, a big shout-out to Reed, too. Uh, Reed is on the mend. He, he had a little accident over the weekend, so he, uh, he got about 27 zips in his face. So uh, you still look you still look great, babe. Uh, you look like a hockey player. You, you'll be back on the ice in no time. What happened with that? Um... From my interpretation, uh, Reed went to uh, wake up his brother, and then his brother was not happy that he had woken him up. So the two of them started wrestling, and then their massive Great Dane came in and actually ended up protecting the brother and ate part of Reed's face. Holy crap. Yep. That's All a big right. dog. Yep. <laughs> I thought it there's going to be some type of hockey story where it's like, oh, I took a stick up high. Or <laughs> I mean, I probably should have said that to him. I mean, 
the, I think the worst part about it is like now you know that the dog likes the brother better than you. So to me, I'd just kill the dog. Like that'd be it. Like the, if the dog's <laughs> proclaiming that he, you know, that one's the alpha, then he must go. That's all. Just, I just kidding. I love my all dogs right. before they twerd mess around. Anyways. Yeah, you're not going to get any PETA sponsorships. Yeah, we're out now. We're out. Uh, yeah, everybody, thank you as always for listening. And um, we will catch you next week for another jam-packed 100th episode of 2, 5, and 10. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Nobody knows me. I'm cold. Walk down this road all alone. It's no one's fault but my own. It's the path I've chosen to go. Frozen in snow. I show no emotion whatsoever. So don't ask me why I have no love for these motherfucking hoes. Blood-sucking succubuses. What the fuck is off with this? I've tried in this department, but I ain't had no love with this. It sucks, but it's exactly what I thought it would be like trying to start over. I got a